Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Sharon Vanderput. Good morning, Kingdom Faith Burgess Hill. It is a privilege to be able to continue on uh, from last week. We've been in a series called The Blueprint for the Church. And uh, we've been looking at the early church and also the Old Testament. What is it that we as believers are supposed to do as a church? What does it look like for us to be disciples and followers of Jesus? So Kevin started us off with week one, um, which was a few weeks ago, on disciples making disciples. And he spoke about the fact that we are be, we are called to be fruitful and multiply. As we are the image bearers of God, as we're created in His image, that is the part that God wants to multiply. And we are called not to just be disciples, but also to disciple others. And last week, which was week two, we spoke about the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence and the glory of God. And then how wherever that was, it had such a significant impact because he was feared and honored there. Wherever he wasn't feared and honored, it had a very bad impact on the people around that because the Lord is to be feared and honored. Amen. So this week, we're going to be carrying on in that. Um, also because we announced some changes that will be happening to Church in the Home uh, last week. And if you've missed last week, I really want to encourage you to go back to the podcast and listen to it because you might be confused, might be confused by a few things I might say today if you haven't heard the previous announcements. We talked about some uh, changes happening in June with us coming off the live stream and in September us having missional hub communities where we'll be gathering in those locations. So we're so looking forward to it and hopefully I'll be able to answer some of the questions for you today. But if I don't, then hang on till next week and I'm sure Kevin will answer your questions then. So we're just going to quickly pray before we jump into Acts chapter two for today. Lord, I just thank you that you're here this morning. I pray that you would speak to us, Lord, as we read your word and, and, and study it. Father, I just pray that you would reveal truth to us. You would reveal to us what it is that you are saying. Father, I pray that it would be your words, not my words this morning. Father, would you just bless each and every one that is listening to this this morning. I pray that you would prepare our hearts so the seed would fall on good soil and produce much fruit. Jesus name. Amen. All right. Are you ready? We're going to jump into Acts chapter two and look at what it means to follow Jesus. And what did the early church do with new Christians? What were they discipled into? And what did the early church's relationship look like with God and with one another? So we're going to uh, be really studying this. So have your Bibles out and your notebooks out. We're going to keep referring back to the text today. Um, so it's going to be a bit of a Bible study. Um, are you ready? Um, so Luke wrote his gospel and the book of Acts. And it's really important to know who the writer is because each writer would have a certain purpose for writing the way they write and a clear intent in what they want the reader to take away and take notice of, okay? So patterns are really important. 
The context of Acts 2 is that Pentecost happened, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, and Peter preached the gospel to all those people that, that heard what had happened, what was going on. And what we read, we're about to read is people's response to what he preached. So I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Version. And the scripture is going to show up on the screen for you to read along with me. So Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now, when they heard this, these are the people Peter preached to, they were cut to the heart with remorse and anxiety. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what are we to do? And Peter said to them, repent, change your old way of thinking, turn from your sinful ways, accept and follow Jesus as the Messiah and be baptized, each of you in the name of Jesus Christ, because of the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we see the pattern, repent, turn around from your old ways, be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. That's the foundation of everything, of the life of a Christian. Then verse 39, it says, for the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your children and for all, you have to see, for all, for your children, children are a very important part of this, for who are away, including the Gentiles, as many as the Lord our God calls to himself. And Peter solemnly testified and continued to admonish and urge them with many more words saying, be saved from this crooked and unjust generation. So then those who accepted his message were baptized and on that day about 3,000 souls were added to the body of believers. They were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles and to fellowship, to eating meals together and to prayers. These are four practices that we're going to be looking at today. Really, really important. Verse 43 a sense of awe, remember we talked about a fresh sense of the fear of the Lord last week, was felt by everyone and many wonders and signs attesting miracles were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed in Jesus as Savior were together and had all things in common, considering their possessions to belong to the group as a whole. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing the proceeds with all the other believers as anyone had need. Day after day, they met in the temple area, continuing with one mind and breaking bread in various private homes. They were eating their meals together with joy and generous hearts, praising God continually and having favor with all the people. And the Lord kept adding to the number daily those who were being saved. So what we're going to look at today is really break this down and, and have a look at this. And what is it that Luke is trying to to uh, convey in this. So what is a pattern that we can see? I mentioned four practices, four things that they devoted themselves to. So there were four things. Can you say four things? Great. So those four things are, they devoted themselves to the instruction of the apostles. Some translation says the teaching of the apostles. That's the first thing. And to fellowship to eating meals together, or the NRV says breaking bread together, and to prayer. So those are four things they devoted themselves to. Now, what is interesting is that if you have a closer look um, at, at what we just read in the passage before, is that Luke doesn't just share those four practices, but actually in the verses following, he really goes a bit more into 
the detail, it gives a bit of a glimpse into what the outworking of those practices looked like. So let's read it again and we'll see what you'll see what I mean. So they were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles and to fellowship, to eating meals together and to prayers. As verse 43, a sense of awe was felt by everyone. Many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. That's the instruction of the apostles, right? So that's explaining there was signs and wonders that followed the teaching of that. And all those who had believed in Jesus as a savior were together and had all things in common, considering their possessions to belong to the group as a whole. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing the proceeds with all the other believers as anyone had need. That was describing what the fellowship looked like. Verse 46 describes the eating meals together and breaking bread. Day after day, they met in the temple area, continuing with one mind and breaking bread in various private homes. They were eating their meals together with joy and generous hearts. And then verse 47 describes the prayer, praising God continually and having a favor with all the people. And the Lord kept adding to the number daily those who were being saved. So it's really key for us to have a look at this. And I wanna draw our attention to a sentence just before and to the sentence at the end. Because in verse 41, Luke um, talks about the repentance and the baptism. He says in verse 41, and on that day, about 3000 souls were added to the body of believers. And later on in verse 47, so at the beginning of the four practices and at the end, we see again, um, Luke say, and the Lord kept adding to the number daily those who were being saved. So he's repeating what he said a few verses earlier. Why is this important, you're asking? I'm glad you asked because I'll tell you in a minute. So what Luke is doing here, he's using a literary design called inclusio. Now, what does that mean? It is like providing a framework. He's trying to frame something to help us focus on what is in the picture, what is in the middle. Um, and Cherie Hayes, who works for Bible Project, describes inclusio like this. The inclusio functions like the boundaries of a magnifying lens to show us what the author wants their readers to focus on. When the author uses an inclusio, they intend to alert the readers to an important concept or theme. So Luke is writing about multiplication and church growth here. So why is it so important for us to look at what is between those things. It's because he's like giving us the parameters. He's saying, these are the things that are gonna bear fruit and are gonna produce the healthy church life and church growth. So that is really, really cool. And we're going to look at those four things today in depth. And we're going to start at the very important, at the very beginning, because they're very important. So let's start with verse 42. And we're going to break it down little by little. It says they were continually and faithfully devoting themselves. Continually and faithfully devoting themselves. This is a decision that takes action and perseverance to carry it through, right? The Oxford Dictionary defines definition, it defines devotion like this. Love, loyalty, or enthusiasm for a person or activity. God is calling us to continually and faithfully devote ourselves to Him and one another because of our love and loyalty and enthusiasm for Him and one another. 
So these practices, it's not just about doing things, it's about doing his things. Amen. As we devote ourselves to him and to one another and live out his word and his will, those things will bear much fruit because they're his things that are things of the kingdom. Amen. So let's look at the next part. They, con they continually and faithfully devoted themselves to what? To the instruction of the apostles. The NIV said to the teaching of the apostles. And that's exactly what we want to do with church in the home, that we want to devote ourselves to the truth of God's word. And if we look at verse 43, like we said earlier, we can see what does that outworking, the outworking of the practice look like? As you read earlier, a sense of awe was felt by everyone and many wonders and signs were taking place through, through the apostles. See, God was confirming the preaching and teaching and the truth of his word through signs and wonders. So we're called to devote ourselves to and pay attention to God, to God and Jesus's words and works. Okay, and that is something we really want to do as you come off the live stream and we have teaching live in the room is with the person that is teaching and we're all going to be drawing things out of the Bible together. We want to devote ourselves to the truth and we want to devote ourselves to what Jesus said and what Jesus did. Amen. So that's really important that we do that. And we don't want to just devote ourselves to listening, but doing the word because the word has a practical outworking. Amen. Okay, let's look at the second practice. Let's keep reading. In that same verse, it says, so they continually and faithfully devoted themselves to the instruction of the apostles and to fellowship, which is the second practice. Now, what is fellowship? Fellowship is shared participation within a community shared participation within a community. The word here used for fellowship in the Greek is koinonias. And that means to share, to have in common. It means a spiritual communion, which is very interesting, participation and partnership. We can see that the outworking of that was very practical to the early church. So what did fellowship look like? He gives us a little insight and glimpse to what that looked like in verse 44 and verse 45. And all those who had believed in Jesus as Savior were together and had all things in common, considering their possessions to belong to the group as a whole. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing the proceeds with all the other believers as anyone had need. Wow, what a community of love and trust, hey? The fellowship had a very practical outworking, very practical outworking. They took care of each other, they looked out for one another and they shared all their possessions and considered them to belong to the group as a whole. That is so powerful. That's a whole other level of sharing life, hey? Now, that is what we want to do. And I do believe that the early church is on another level to where we're at. But we want to be a community and a fellowship of deep love and trust that take care of one another to make sure there is no need amongst each other. Of course, following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. But we want to take care of each other and we want to build this community of love and trust. And that is what church in the home is about. 
those people that are opening up their homes, that are hosting, want to share their homes with you, their lives with you, share their food with you. And of course, we will bring food to share as well. It is about fellowship, about community. We want to make sure that nobody among us is in need. Whether that's financial, physical or spiritual, we want to love each other so deeply that we wouldn't have to feel protective about the things we consider our own. Because in the end, they're all God's anyways. Now, this is something that the Lord has to do in us, but we want to devote ourselves to it. We want to make a strong decision that this is something I'm going to take action towards and persevere in and the Lord will do his part. Amen. We have to engage our will. Now, this is something that the early church considered a very important practice and devoted themselves to it. So if they did it, how much more need, do we need to do that as well? We're going to get back to this fellowship part in just a minute, but I want us to look at the third practice first. It says they continually and faithfully devoted themselves to the next one, eating meals together, or as it says in other translations, breaking the breaking of bread. Don't you just love that? How many of you love eating? I know I do. And in verse 46, Luke elaborates a little bit on this practice. In verse 46, he says, day after day, they met in the temple area, continuing with one mind and breaking bread in various private homes. They were eating their meals together with joy and generous hearts. So the early church met in the temple courts as larger groups, but then they also met in homes and they shared meals together. And that's what we're going to carry on doing as well. We're going to continue the same, same rhythm we have been doing, which is meeting in Woodlands Mead in our building every other week. And then in the weeks in between, we're going to meet in homes and we're going to continue having meals together and breaking bread together, which is also taking communion. Now, when the early church had meals together, very often as part of that, they would take communion. Now, Obviously, we know communion is such a powerful, life-changing and life-giving meal. And they would do that as part of having a meal. Now, why is that so important? Why is, do we have to devote ourselves to having meals together, you might say? Isn't that just hanging out? Actually, having a meal together has such a spiritual significance. And we're going to see in a moment why. Now, having a meal together is one of the primary ways of strengthening and deepening relationships. We saw in the New Testament that Jesus had meals with people a lot, right? He had a lot of meals with people and he had meals with sinners. Now, wh what do meals represent? In that culture, in the Jewish culture of the day, having a meal with people what it was communicating and what it was declaring was deep friendship, intimacy and unity with the people you were eating with. Isn't that so powerful? So Jesus, knowing full well what that would communicate, chose to have meals with people who were imperfect like you and me, declaring deep friendship, intimacy and unity with them, saying, no one can come to the Father except through me, but I am the bridge, I am that way to the Father. It is such a powerful 
representation of what, what God has for us. Now, not only does it mean unity, intimacy and friendship, but actually what it is declaring is something of what is to come in heaven. It is declaring that we as brothers and sisters, we are one. We are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And we're standing together in, in friendship, in love and in unity to one another. But also it is like a foretaste, a glimpse of the wedding supper of the Lamb, the great banquet. We see so much that of that in, in the... Um, prophetic books of the Bible, Bible, but especially in the book of Revelation, we can see that this is going to be a powerful and amazing celebration. And it's like we are declaring as the body of Christ, when we have meals together, that we as the bride of Christ are ready for Jesus. We are ready for him. We are we're declaring that we love him, that we are one, we're preparing ourselves and we're ready for the wedding supper of the Lamb. Understanding the biblical significance of a meal will bring our meals together to a whole new level. Now, part of having meals together, the early church would also take often communion together. Now, declaring that Jesus is coming back and the power of the finished work of the cross. That is so amazing. And again, we always say, there's nothing special about the bread or about the cup in itself but it is what it represents spiritually. And that is the same thing for us when we eat meals. It brings, it sends a spiritual declaration, a message, amen? Now, taking communion together, we're going to be doing that in homes and we, we want to be more intentional about doing that more often, but that is not something to take flippantly. It is something that is to be done in reverence to God because we recognize the power that is in it. But also, as we said last week, as us being the stewards and the, of the presence and the glory of God in us, it, need, it's need, it needs to be done in the fear of the Lord. Now, did you notice that it says, they ate their meals together with joy and generous hearts? In the NIV, it says, they ate together with sincere hearts. God wants us to have sincere hearts towards one another. What does it mean to be sincere? It means to share how you're really feeling, what you really believe. It's the truth about you, right? Now, we want to have sincere hearts towards one another, but it takes devotion. The, you see, devotion has been a key word here this morning. Devotion, it takes a resolution, a decision in your heart that is followed by action. Guys, if you and I are going to commit ourselves to having meals together and we really understand the spiritual significance of it, being love and unity and declaring that and friendship, we have to commit to being vulnerable and honest. And if I may say, drop the good Christian act and be real with one another. You can't really love someone that you don't know. And the powerful thing about this is that we do not have to be perfect. That is the whole point of the gospel, that we don't have it all together. And being able to 
just be real and honest and carry no shame and guilt. There's something so powerful about it of saying, there's nothing good in me, as you talked about it last week, but there's a whole lot of good in God and he's in me. And being able to be so comfortable in who we are in Christ, that we can be real and honest with each other. We want to commit to being honest and vulnerable. You can see such vulnerability in the Bible, great heroes of the Bible. David, he was a mighty warrior and a king, yet you see such rawness and realness in the book of Psalms, in the Psalms that he wrote. Such honesty. Paul, you see such honesty and vulnerability in those letters that he was writing to the early church. And those were circulating. That wasn't just for a small group of people. And even today we're reading about Paul's life. That was a whole other level of vulnerability. And I just want to share a little part of what he says with us just to um, hit home the point I'm trying to convey. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about the famous thorn in his side says in verse eight, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Can you hear it? He pleaded with the Lord. That is some honesty there, some vulnerability. Therefore, um, but he said to me, sorry, in verse nine, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. He's sharing his struggle and he's sharing God's response to it. And then he's sharing his response to what God said. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships in persecutions and difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Can you hear the honesty and the rawness of Paul here? Only when we are truly real, can we live in true fellowship with one another and be of one heart and one mind, as it says in Acts 2 and Acts chapter 4? We want to be a people who are resolute. What does it mean to be resolute? It means to be very determined. To resolve in your heart means to decide firmly on a course of action or make up one's mind. Why is it so, so important for us to firmly decide to devote ourselves to these practices and be resolute, the things I've been talking about? Because things don't just happen. We have to engage our will. It's like with salvation, right? We have to engage our will. God does it, but we have to choose to believe. We have to engage our will. We have to choose to surrender to his plan, right? Now, what do I mean with this? We can put on as many events for men, women, young adults, prayer, worship, small groups. We can create so many opportunities for us to be able to build deep relationships with one another. But unless we take the opportunities, unless we commit in our hearts and devote ourselves to building relationships, it's not going to happen. Just because we attend something or because we create an opportunity doesn't mean that it's going to happen. It will take a decision for you and me to commit to be building relationships. Last week, we spoke about us having those geographical hub communities together where we'll be meeting with the same group of people 
bigger group of people, but the same group of people every other week. And we said about how there might be fear in there being cliqueiness involved in that. That's going to take a responsibility for you and me to make sure that that doesn't happen, that we keep, be, keep building relationships outside of that, that we keep looking and seeking to get to know more people and new people and build relationships. We have to be intentional people. That's what this morning is about. It's about being devoted. I said continually and faithfully. It's an ongoing thing. And it's something we have to be faithful in if we want to see a community in our church, in our congregation that is after God's heart. We have to resolve in a heart that that's what we are going to do. And that's what we want. Healthy relationships and community takes a lot of hard work. <laughs> Let's be honest, it takes work but it's so worth it. There is a cost in this. It means laying down maybe some things. It means pushing aside maybe some things of self. It means maybe getting over ourselves. It's maybe making other things our priorities, but it's so worth it. So God is asking us today, are you, are you willing to do that? So in Isaiah, he said, who will go for me? You know, it's this question of who will, who will go? Who will do what I'm asking them to do? We want to be a people who are resolute in devoting ourselves to God and one another. Now let's move on to the last practice. They continually and faithfully devoted themselves to prayers. In verse 47, we see what that looked like. Praising God continually and having favor with all the people. It looked like prayers and worshiping God continually. That's what they devoted themselves to. That's what we want to devote ourselves to as well, to praying and worshiping God together as a community. Now, it is so important that we do that privately and individually 100% but it is also so important that we do that together as a community. We have something that we call an encounter every first Wednesday of the month. And it's a time we set aside to come together as a, as a community in Burgess Hill and the area to come worship the Lord and devote ourselves to this practice, to pray and worship without any distractions, without a to-do list in the back of our minds, and these are different to Sunday mornings because we want to create some more space for all of, all of us to be able to release the treasures that are inside of us. Because remember, as we talked about last week, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He put everything in you. He says, we have everything we need for life and godliness. So he put everything in you that you need. But it's our responsibility to steward it well, to release it and to honor it. Now, we want you to be able to participate in the releasing of those things because not everything needs to look like a Sunday morning at Woodlands Mead with people standing up front. Not everyone's ministry is going to look like standing in the front. And thank you, Jesus, for that, because we don't need 10,000 Kevins or 10,000 Sharons or 10,000 whatever. We need you. And you all carry something so special and unique that is only going to be released in the context of fellowship. 
because we're not meant to keep our gifts for ourselves. Remember, we have to steward it. We have to be good stewards. We have to share it with one another and it is meant to bless other people, not just us. We are God's vessels and we want to be useful to Jesus and be ready for him to do any good work through us. So that's encounters every first Wednesday of the month that we want to devote ourselves to afresh as a congregation. We've never stopped doing them. We just didn't have one in April because of Easter, but we want to carry on in this as a congregation because it is so important to do that. Are you still with me? Okay. We also announced a few Sundays ago that um, what we had was a Kingdom Faith Burgess Hill prayer small group that people could sign up to last October. And there's been a group of actually four girls of us that have been meeting every Tuesday, just seeking the Lord, worshiping Him and praying. And we felt it was really important to open that up now. Um, not anyone could sign up to the small group, but we felt it was important that this is something that is open to the whole congregation, an invitation to come and meet with Jesus. They are very informal. We just have a little speaker with some worship. There is, they're very informal and it's not led a lot from the front at all. But what it is, is it's about us coming to minister to the Lord, to be with Jesus, to meet with Him. And we just wanted to create that space and give that invitation out to you. That doesn't mean that everyone has to be there every Tuesday. But for those of you who are hungry and just want to come and be with Jesus on a Tuesday evening at Centre Church at 7.30, we're going to be there as, uh, every Tuesday. And if you want to come be with Jesus and you're hungry for God, I want to encourage you to come and be a part of that. We want to create an opportunity for us to devote ourselves to prayers and worship to God. So, I've said devote ourselves to a lot today, and I'm gonna say it again. We want to devote ourselves to what? The four practices, to the teaching instructions of the apostles, to the teaching of the word, and the confirming the signs and wonders of it, right? We wanna see that happen. To fellowship with one another, being real, honest, vulnerable in unity. Number three, eating meals together, breaking bread together, communion is part of that, right? Having meals together. And lastly, to prayer and worship. We want to pay careful attention, attention to Jesus's words and works. We're going to share what we own, our houses, our food, our finances, provide for one another, all while following the Holy Spirit, of course. We're going to meet in the building all together and we're going to meet in homes. We're going to take communion, praise and honor God together. And we will be glad and have sincere hearts towards God be real with God and be real with one another and honor God in our love and care for each other. I really want to convey this morning that if the early church devoted themselves to these four things, how much more do we need to devote ourselves to those things? And what power there is, they're not just things, I keep saying things, but they're not just things, that there's power in them, there's principles, there are commitments. But as you saw at the very beginning, it's what a healthy church life looks like. And that's what we want for us as a community. Now, I have some questions for you this morning that I would love for you to discuss uh, at the end of this. And you don't have to stick to these questions, but let's not just move on to the next thing, but let's really 
devote ourselves to talking about this morning, processing it together. And then I want to ask you to pray together as well, whether that's as a group as a whole or as smaller groups within your home. I want to ask you a few questions. Um, but before that, I'm going to pray. Lord, we just want to thank you for what you're doing in us as a congregation, what you're doing in us as kingdom faith. Father, I just pray that you would find us faithful to you and to your word and faithful to one another. Lord, would you do this work in us? Lord, you said in your word that he who started a work in you is faithful to finish it and complete it. Father, we want to be a community that honors you, that loves you and does what you are asking us to do. And we want to follow the leading of your Holy Spirit throughout this whole journey of transition and change. Father, I thank you that as we fix our eyes on you, we don't have to fear, we don't have to worry. But as we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, you will get us there and you will do this work in us. But Father, would you give us the grace and the strength, Lord God, to be determined, to be resolute, to decide, to choose and persevere in these things. We praise your name. Amen. So some of the questions I have for you this morning are, is there a particular practice that God highlighted to you this morning? What does your participation in this, in this practice or in this community look like? And thirdly, what does it look like for you personally to devote yourselves to those four practices that the early church devoted themselves to? I pray that you have a really blessed time in your homes. Thank you for listening and bearing with me as I get through this message. Um, and I just pray that God will stir something in your heart as a result of this this morning. And that this wouldn't just be a message that we heard, but that we all, myself included, we take away some things and put them into practice as a result. And we're looking forward to um, seeing you the week after in Woodlands Mead. And bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Bye. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.